Chapter 11 of Gossip in the First Decade of Victoria's Reign by John Ashton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 The Chartists, Their Going to Church, Dissolution of the Convention, Approaching Marriage of the Queen, The Queen and Lunatics, Raid on a Gaming House, Act of Penance. This year Chartism was rampant and very militant on one april there were riots at devizes on three may seven men were arrested at manchester for drilling and on the twenty fifth of that month a great meeting was held at kersal moor four miles from manchester on fourth july there were very serious riots at birmingham and again on the fifteenth on the same date between three thousand and four thousand chartists met on clerkenwall green to condemn the action of the authorities at birmingham and towards the end of the month numerous meetings were held in the north of england and there were riots at newcastle and stockport in august there was great unrest in the north and some trials took place at birmingham and manchester for rioting and sedition a new and somewhat unexpected method of agitation was about this time adopted by the chartists they betook themselves suddenly to attendance in a body at public worship taking early possession on the sundays of the various cathedrals and parish churches to the exclusion of the more regular attendance on the afternoon of sunday eleven august a party of them about five hundred in number met together in west smithfield and walked in procession to st paul's cathedral on arriving there many of them refused to take off their hats but after some remonstrance from the vergers they submitted the majority of them wore a little piece of red ribbon in their buttonholes and conducted themselves quite peaceably on the sunday following their brethren at norwich pursued a similar course at the cathedral of that city which was crowded almost to suffocation the bishop who preached took the opportunity to deliver an impressive remonstrance on the folly and danger of their proceedings the chartists behaved well in the cathedral but at st stephen's church in the evening they made a disturbance the chartists at manchester following the advice of fergus o'connor attended the old church now the cathedral in great numbers the authorities having been previously advised of their intention had the military in readiness to act should the chartists behave in a disorderly manner but they conducted themselves with great decorum it is said that previous to divine service they handed the clergyman a chartist text to preach from but he selected as his text my house is the house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves on announcing which the chartists rose and quitted the church the same tactics were followed in the principal towns all over the country but either from the success of them not being very apparent or from the distastefulness of the method employed the practice was not followed up for long nor with any great regularity on the fourteenth september the chartist national convention was dissolved and on the twentieth fergus o'connor was arrested for sedition on a judge's warrant at manchester and things were fairly quiet during the remainder of the year with the exception of a serious chartist riot on four november at newport in monmouthshire where many rioters were killed we have seen how in the beginning of the year the sun had prophesied the marriage of the queen and prince albert for which it was duly pooh-poohed by the times 
but on twenty two august the morning post had the dreadful temerity to announce the same and the court circular of eleven october tells us that the hereditary prince ernest and prince albert of saxe coburg gotha landed at the tower at four o'clock yesterday afternoon from the continent their serene highnesses were conveyed in two of the royal landaus to the royal mews at pimlico and shortly afterwards left town with their suite in two carriages and four for windsor castle on a visit to the queen on the fourteenth october the queen informed lord melbourne of her intention to marry prince albert which met with the premier's warm approbation next day she told the prince that she wished to marry him he had been out early with his brother hunting but returned at twelve and half an hour afterwards the queen sent for him and he found her alone in her room that it was a love-match on both sides is well known and until the untimely death of the prince consort they were models of conjugal love and felicity on fourteen november the prince and his brother left windsor and departed for the continent via dover and at a privy council held at buckingham palace on twenty-third of that month the queen communicated her intention of marriage the declaration was as follows i have caused you to be summoned at the present time in order that i may acquaint you with my resolution in a matter which deeply concerns the welfare of my people and the happiness of my future life it is my intention to ally myself in marriage with the prince albert of saxe coburg and gotha deeply impressed with the solemnity of the engagement which i am about to contract i have not come to this decision without mature consideration nor without feeling a strong assurance that with the blessing of almighty god it will at once secure my domestic felicity and serve the interests of my country i have thought fit to make this resolution known to you at the earliest period in order that you may be fully apprised of a matter so highly important to me and to my kingdom and which i persuade myself will be most acceptable to all my loving subjects upon this announcement all the privy councillors present made it their humble request that her majesty's most gracious declaration to them might be made public which her majesty was pleased to order accordingly the queen suffered severely from lunatics in june a man got into the gardens of buckingham palace and when arrested declared he had come there for the sole purpose of killing her majesty and was duly committed to tothill bridewell within a day or two of his release in the middle of october he went to windsor and broke three or four panes of glass in the castle he was afterwards apprehended but what became of him i do not know in all probability he was sent to a lunatic asylum in the paper which gives the account of the above i read james bryan the queen's scotch suitor was in windsor the whole of yesterday sunday thirteen october in the morning he was waiting for a considerable period at the door of st george's chapel leading to the cloisters to have a view of the queen as her majesty and the two princes of saxe coburg and the duchess of kent left the chapel in the afternoon he walked on the terrace and conducted himself in his usual manner very respectfully bowing to the queen as her majesty passed him on the new terrace by the above he must have been well known on twenty nine november a respectably dressed man got over the high iron gates leading to the castle a place at which there were no sentries and walked across the park to the grand entrance to the castle 
upon seeing the porter in attendance at the lodge he said i demand entrance into the castle as king of england to which the porter replied very well your majesty but be pleased to wait until i get my hat and then taking him to the castle handed him over to the police he turned out to be a man named stockledge who was partner in an extensive wholesale business in manchester he had been in two lunatic asylums and when questioned by the mayor of windsor as to the object of his visit said that he was like all other men who wanted wives he was looking after one evidently alluding to her majesty on being further questioned he said he was the king of england and was impelled by the spirit he afterwards said that an unknown power had done it and that it was the spirit which helped him over the gates of course he was mad there was yet another fool this year but this time he was not a maniac only a post-office clerk who wanted to have an interview with her majesty on the afternoon of the eighth december a carriage and four drove up to windsor castle and from it alighted a personage wearing a foraging cap a fur boa around his neck and fur gloves who announced himself as the bearer of important dispatches which he must deliver into the queen's own hands this of course was not complied with and as he would not part with the documents he was handed over to the police and taken to the station where he made a sturdy resistance when they were taken from him he turned out to be a junior clerk in the foreign post-office named william saunders who being on duty when the foreign mails arrived found some letters and papers addressed to the queen and put them into his pocket with the intention of delivering them himself he was suspended from his duties but i do not know his ultimate fate gambling houses were still in existence although the police act of this year two and three vict c forty seven s forty eight gave the police great and additional power toward suppressing them here is a sample raid as reported in the observer of fifteen december superintendent baker c succeeded on saturday night week in breaking his way into a gambling house sixty german street commonly called the cottage and some persons therein found were fined on monday at marlborough street office in all seven persons were captured of whom two were connected with the management of the gambling house the others were gentlemen players they were taken to the station house in vine street and as we know it to be the anxious desire of the police authorities to suppress the nuisance of gaming-houses we feel that we are but lending our humble aid towards effecting that object in now publishing the real names of those gentlemen who were captured and who passed themselves off to the police and the magistrate as being jones smith and other conventional misnomers here follow the names our correspondent has told us of a certain noble lord who was running here and there on the night of the capture of his friends striving in the first instance to get them bailed out and failing in that to provide for them creature comforts in their cells we cannot avoid mentioning one or two little incidents connected with this affair the admission of spirits to prisoners in a station-house is strictly forbidden but on this occasion their friends outside succeeded in introducing eight soda-water bottles filled with excellent pale brandy so regularly corked and wired as to deceive even the sharp eyes of the inspector next day sunday at twelve o'clock they were bailed out 
but on the following morning at marlborough street office a sad mishap had all but blown up the misnomers for when the name of jones was called from the police sheet the gentleman who had honoured that name by assuming it quite forgot his condescension until one of his companions in trouble nudged him in the side saying damn it that's you by the way the croupier escaped through the skylight with the bank amounting it is supposed to at least five hundred pounds he and a boy who escaped with him had but a minute or two the start of the police as it was the croupier met with a most severe accident having cut his thigh so deeply as to cause a most serious hemorrhage the gutter was flooded with his blood i wind up the year by chronicling an event which i fancy will never occur again one of the most singular circumstances connected with it being that the penitent was a jewess it occurs in a letter in the times of nineteen december act of penance st john's clerkenwell sir understanding that many stories are afloat concerning the above act performed on sunday last fifteen december by a young woman of the jewish persuasion named deborah cohen i thought the particulars might be acceptable this affair appears to have arisen from some family quarrel the action in the ecclesiastical court having been brought against her by her brother for having made use to her sister-in-law rosetta cohen of a term contrary as well to this part of our laws as to the usage of society to avoid expenses she had no means to meet and the consequences thereof her solicitor advised her to admit her fault and abide the award of the court this having got wind the unpretending church of st john's was beset early on sunday last by great crowds amongst whom it required great exertion of the parish officers and the police to preserve a proper decorum the crowds were however disappointed in seeing this young woman exposed in the open church with the covering of a white sheet etc the order from the ecclesiastical court only having enjoined her to appear in the vestry room of this church on sunday morning last after service and a sermon and before the minister churchwardens and five or six of the plaintiff's friends some of whom attended to recite after the minister her regret etc in the words laid down in the order this was carried into effect accordingly the crowds in the church and st john's square remaining long after the ceremony had been performed and the parties had left the vestry w End of chapter eleven